to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where we want to read from verse 9 to the end of the chapter, that is to verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's go ahead and read beginning with verse 9 to verse 21. Sister Renate, can you start for us, as you usually do, Umashkura, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Very much. Many times people are motivated by what is best for them. What are my interests? Where is my benefit? What will serve my welfare? How will I gain? How will I be better off? How will I profit? There's a saying that is ascribed to Queen Victoria of Britain. Some people quote her as saying that Britain has no permanent friends, Britain has no permanent enemies, Britain has permanent interests, has permanent uh, interests. I need to look out for myself. If I don't take care of myself, who will? Now, it's true that in some sense I need to take care of myself and to do so in the right way, in the responsible way, that is uh, correct, that is legitimate. But it's also true that people can easily go way too far in taking care of themselves, in taking care of uh, themselves. Uh, look with me at a couple of verses uh, in the Old Testament. Look at Isaiah 56 and verse 11. Isaiah 56 and verse 11, the Bible says, Yea, they are greedy dogs who can never have enough. They are shepherds who cannot understand. They look to their own way, everyone for his gain, from his quarter. Jeremiah 22 and verse uh, 17. The Bible says, uh, But thine eyes and thine heart are not but... In other words, they are only for, your eyes and your heart are only for, your covetousness, and for shedding innocent blood, and for oppression, and for violence, uh, to do it. In the New Testament, look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 21. Philippians 2 and verse 21, the Bible says, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ." 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, uh, well, reading from verse 1, This know that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Uh, uh, unholy. This is the way things were and are and will be in terms of human nature, sinful human uh, nature. Now, the believer has a new nature. The believer has a different, sometimes you hear the phrase, moral compass. The 
believers should have a different spirit, a different kind of uh, thinking. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 13, For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be of sober mind, it is for your cause. Notice that he does not say in either part of this verse that I'm doing things for my own interest. If we're crazy, we're crazy for God. If we're sober, we're sober for you. If we are, uh, uh, we are motivated uh, by what? By that which is serving the cause of not me, myself, and I, but God, mentioned first, and others, and others mentioned uh, second. If we are beside ourselves, it is to uh, God. Uh, it is uh, to God. If we're out of our minds, if we are crazy, if we are mad, if we are insane, perhaps there were people who thought that Paul was somehow crazy. In fact, this is what Festus said, Acts chapter 26 and verse 24, Festus said with a loud voice as Paul was presenting his testimony and pressing the case for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the gospel, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning makes you mad. Much learning makes you mad. Who would think of setting out on the journeys which Paul the Apostle set out on? You're going to convert the world to Jesus? You think people are going to listen to you? You think people are going to care? You think that you're going to get any kind of response? Especially a positive kind? What's wrong with you? You're wasting your life. You could be a very respected member of the Sanhedrin. You could be a leader and a teacher of the nation. The problem with this guy is that he went to Damascus and the sun was shining too hot. And so, sunstroke. Uh, uh, something uh, went uh, wrong. Something snapped. And unfortunately, it's been getting worse with time. It's progressive. And so Paul says, if people think I'm crazy, I'm crazy for God. I am crazy for, uh, for God. Uh, remember that this is not very different from what was said regarding the Lord Jesus. Uh, look at Mark chapter 3 and verse 21 in particular. Mark chapter 3 and verse 21. And when his friends... And when uh, his friends, in Arabic, this is when his own. Uh, and uh, 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 the way it's translated in Arabic, the impression that one gets is that the reference is uh, to uh, family and relatives. 
uh, family uh, and uh, relatives. And of course, later on in the chapter, you have specific mention of your mother and brethren are outside and they seek you and they want to speak to you. Later on in this chapter, it, of course, it's mentioned in other Gospels as well. But let's read Mark 3.21. When his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, he is beside himself. He is beside himself. Whether we are besides our, ourselves, whether we are crazy, we are crazy for God. And if I am of sound mind, I am of sound mind for your sake. Some people might say something like this. Ah, oh, Paul, he seems to be an enthusiast. He seems to be a fanatic, borderline crazy. But actually, when you think of what he's doing, he's a very shrewd man. He's cold and calculating. First of all, he presents a message. He knows how to speak persuasively. He knows uh, how to speak in a convincing manner. He's very smart at arguing uh, his points. He is rather persuasive. And he finds people here and there in large groups, certainly two, three, four, in a city, will receive his message. And so what does he do with these two, three, four people? He organizes them. He gives them some kind of structure. He tells them that they're supposed to meet together on a regular basis. It's called a church. And that they are supposed to maintain a faithfulness to this message. And that they are supposed to spread this message to others. So that when he spends some time in a certain place and gains some followers, he knows how to work things out for them so that they are encouraged to continue. And then when he leaves, they're not going to like dissolve back into, uh, 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 into the background that they came from. In fact, they're likely to grow. And he ends up being the head of this whole thing. He's building an empire. He's building an empire. He's building a following. He's building a group. And he's the big boss, the top dog. Uh, he's uh, number one. And that is what he is doing. Think with me of the Lord Jesus again in uh, John chapter 7 now. And his brothers, that is his half-brothers, brothers according to the flesh, the children of Joseph and Mary. John chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Put on a show. Let more people see you. Let, people, let more people see uh, these miracles that you're performing. Show yourself more uh, and more. Promote yourself. Gain publicity. Gain a following. Become a big wheel, a big cheese, or whatever you want to call it. 
Now it's true that Paul went from place to place and he preached a message and he organized uh, 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 those who believed into churches and he encouraged them to maintain the faith and grow. In some sense, what the description that I've given is true. But one thing that is not true, the way I've described things, is the motivation which I've ascribed uh, to Paul. If he did the things that I mentioned, it was not for him to be top dog, big cheese. It was not for self-advancement, for self-promotion. If we are of sober mind, it is for your sakes. It's not a matter of my own goals, my own desires, my own ambitions. What I do... I do it for God, and I do it for you, because the love of Christ constrains us, because the love of Christ uh, constrains us. Now, the believer is spoken of in the Bible as being not under bondage, not under bondage to sin. Not under bondage to certain outward things, ceremonies perhaps of uh, the law. But the fact that the believer has a certain freedom with regard to certain things does not mean that I should live whatever way I desire. Paul says, I am constrained. I am uh, restraint. What should happen with a ship? Oh, well, they roll it off the dry dock and into uh, the water. And then they just let it go wherever they want. Wherever it wants. Wherever the winds and the waves may take it. Not so. The winds and the waves may draw it, push it, pull it in various directions. But one of the most basic elements of seamanship, of being a sailor and knowledgeable regarding matters of the sea, is what? Is that the wind blowing this way, currents being this way, waves being this way, somehow I know how to use my sails and I know how to use my rudder so that I'll go in the direction that I want. That I want. I mean, otherwise, why have masts and sails? And why have a rudder? And in some sense, if you're just going to put the ship in the water and just let the winds and the waves carry it wherever they will, well, why don't you just throw a log in the water <laughs> and, uh, and let uh, that happen? And let that uh, happen. There is a constraint, a restraint, a, an active hand directing things. The hand of the pilot, the hand of the captain, the hand of the master, the hand of the master. Uh, a horse is usually led in a certain direction through the proper use of 
I don't know about horses, I don't know about riding horses, but you've got this bridle, and you pull this way, that way, or some way, or the other, and perhaps you use uh, your legs a little bit to dig into one side or the other of, uh, of the horse, and that signals uh, one way or the other to the horse that there's a direction that uh, he is supposed to go uh, in. Uh, he is supposed to go in. Sometimes when people are swimming, there is a, a powerful current. There is a powerful current in the sea. And if you, sl if you swim in a river, almost by definition there is some current, and sometimes, of course, stronger than uh, uh, at other times. And uh, if I've heard it once, I've heard it many times, although I've never been there uh, myself, the water that is off Ramel Tlbaida. People uh, 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 have said again and again, you need to watch out for currents over there, which can do what? Which can draw you out to sea. Yes. Now, currents that draw us out to sea, that's not what, not what we would want to be in. But on the other hand, sometimes you can have a current that's drawing you in the right direction, the direction you want to go in, in which case you would be glad to find that current, so to speak, and glad to be in that current because it will do what? Because it will carry you along in the right direction. We are supposed to be in a current called the love of Christ. The love of Christ is supposed to bear us. The love of Christ is supposed to move us. The love of Christ is supposed to push us, pull us, direct us, move us from one place to uh, the other. Uh, to uh, the other. Why, John, are you on this barren little island called Patmos. I'm there for a reason. There is a cause. There is a current that has borne me here. It is called the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what has brought me uh, here. We are supposed to be in the love of God. The love of God is supposed to constrain us. First uh, uh, John chapter 4 and verse 16 says, We have known and we have believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. You and I, in the river of God's love, in the current of his uh, love, and where God's love goes, it is supposed to carry us there. It is supposed to carry us uh, there. Um, you remember the three mighty men of David. Uh, David said longingly, Oh, that I had of the water of the well which is in Bethlehem, the well which is by the gate. He didn't say that 
as they say in Arabic, hamdila mahlun, knowing that they are hearing and without addressing them directly, but so that they could overhear. He didn't say it. He just longed and said, all that I would have of that water. And the mighty men took it upon themselves to do what? To go to Bethlehem and to draw of uh, that water. And that involved a certain amount of danger because the Bible tells us that, uh, that they needed to break through the host of the uh, Philistines. They did. And they drew water. And they came back and they gave it to David and he said, I'm not going to drink this. I am not going to uh, drink this. This is too much. I will pour this water out before God as a sacrifice. In some sense, he may have been saying this. This type of devotion, which brought this water to me, it's It's not the type of devotion that a man should accept. This level of devotion is something that really, it should be for God. It should be uh, for uh, uh, the Lord. uh, For uh, the Lord. Uh, It was enough, enough, that he said, Oh, that someone would give me to drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem. It was enough that he said that. And there were people moved by their devotion and love to him who went and brought of that uh, water. I remember a story Pastor Isaiah told us uh, some time ago when he was here. Fifteen years ago now, the 2004, I think it was. Uh, his father, Isaias Rodriguez Sr., uh, was training some young people in the ministry. They had a little seminary. And, of course, with a view, uh, and they continue to think very uh, pointedly in this direction, of these people going and starting new work, starting new churches in uh, in uh, many different cities and towns uh, in surrounding areas. And so, uh, Pastor Isaiah Sr., Pastor Isaiah Rodriguez Sr., was just driving his car around in that particular state in Mexico. Um, and I think he had with him some two or three young men And they were just getting to know the different towns and cities with a view towards some time. There might be an opportunity for someone to go to these places. uh, To go to these places. And uh, they stopped in one particular uh, city, in one particular place, to eat, to buy some sandwiches. And uh, as they finished eating and they're on their way, uh, back to the car to drive back to their city, Monterey. Um, Pastor Isaias just said, somehow, this city, oh, there are so many people here who need to hear the gospel. One of the young people who was getting into the car 
got out of the car, went to the trunk, opened it. He had a little bag. He took it out, closed the trunk, went back, and he told them, you're right, you go on. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here. And if I'm not mistaken, he started a church. Uh, the message of the gospel was heard, and the ministry uh, likely continues to this day. Where the love of Christ goes. That's where I desire to go, Paul says. That love uh, constrains me. That love directs me. Now, at the same time, we need to think about this in a slightly different way. Because we can think of a current bearing us along as we are very passive. But another way to understand this uh, word that is used here is that the love of Christ keeps us employed, keeps us busy. And another idea that I think is part of the picture is that the love of Christ constraining us is a matter which also involves zeal and diligence, perseverance, hard work on our part. Jacob said, or the Bible says of Jacob, excuse me, that he served seven years for Rachel. It seemed like a short time because of the love that he had for her. But those seven years were seven years. And he did serve those seven years because of that uh, love. First uh, Corinthians 9, uh, 19. Paul says, uh, though I am free from all men, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 19, yet I have made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. 2 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, 2 Corinthians 15, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Uh, frequently we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and we uh, read of the many challenges and difficulties which he faced in his uh, ministry. Uh, are they ministers of Christ? 2 uh, Corinthians 11 and verse uh, 23. Are they ministers of Christ? Apparently there were some people who had shown up in the city of Corinth and who were portraying themselves as the true servants of the Lord Jesus. And who is this Paul? And who is this Paul? And, to some extent, the people in Corinth were listening to them. And so, in a particular way, in 2 Corinthians, Paul has to defend himself, defend his apostleship. Are they ministers of Christ? Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm about to tell you of things that I have on my CV. I'm about to tell you of things which I've experienced and endured. And this is going to sound like boasting. It's going to sound as if I am a fool. In labor is more abundant. 
in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Of the Jews, five times I received forty stripes, save one, five times. Beaten by the Jews, three times beaten with rods, once stoned, three times shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been uh, in the deep. Uh, uh, in the deep. Uh, Journeyings often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the Gentiles, perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and pain, uh, painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. The love of Christ constrains me does not mean that I am carried about in an entirely passive way. I must labor. I must serve. I must be uh, zealous. Uh, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of uh, Jesus Christ. A soldier endures hardness, faces danger, lives a life which has many difficulties. A life which requires, which requires effort. Why? For the sake of country. For the sake of country. For the sake of flag. He brought me to the banqueting house. His banner over me was love. Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 4. We have a banner. The love of God. His banner over us. His banner over us. For the sake of that banner, effort is required. It says in Jude and verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of uh, God. Uh, The Lord Jesus said, John chapter 15, verses 9 uh, and 10, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Uh, In his love. The love of Christ constrains us. Constrains us. It somehow compresses us and focuses us. Focuses our energies into a particular channel. On the side of the building that we live in, ground floor, there's a little kind of gap where you can go through from the front courtyard of the building to the back courtyard. And if you stand in that gap, what often happens, and this experience maybe you've had in other places, I'm sure, somehow it's kind of windy in that gap. Somehow what happens was, the wind usually swirls around, but it reaches a certain place where there's one opening and everything else is closed. And so what happens is that it kind of, it's kind of focused. It is kind of, uh, uh, kind of uh, focused. Um, that little gap, that little empty space that you use to go from one side of the building to the other ends up being a little bit like a wind tunnel. Uh, a, a wind tunnel. 
it concentrates and focuses uh, 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 the movements of the wind, and the result is something that is more powerful. Solar energy. What do you see? You see with solar energy, you know, some kind of uh, a place, usually a sunny place and sometimes kind of desert, hot area. And one kind of solar uh, energy facility has what? Has all of these mirrors. And all of these mirrors do what? They reflect the light of the sun and they reflect it in such a way that they concentrate it. And then there's a building and usually has some kind of side of it that is a curved mirror and then all the light that is reflected from the various mirrors goes to that big mirror and it focuses it even more. And by the time you've got all of that stuff being focused, you wouldn't want to be there in its way because it ends up being pretty powerful because it ends up being uh, pretty hot, uh, pretty hot. And then, of course, uh, another way, place that light is focused, and perhaps even more, is by focusing it in such a way it turns into a laser beam. And sometimes these kinds of things are used, let's say, in surgery. You know, rather than what? Rather than cut with a knife, with some kind of instrument, that uh, puts out a beam of uh, light. Someone has said, all great lives are under the constraint of some master principle. All great lives are under the constraint of some master principle. Alexander the Great wanted to conquer the world. Now, you could talk about how there were various factors that helped him or did not help him at uh, that time, uh, different things about uh, certain kingdoms being weak or strong, close, far. But one of the big things that played a role was the fact that he was determined to do it. The fact that he wanted to do it and he gave himself wholeheartedly and completely to that uh, uh, task, uh, to that task. Uh, someone has said, if you want to be a great general, what you need to do, wherever you look, every place you are in, you should be thinking of how you could set up a battlefield there and what position you would take, where your troops should be, how you would counter movements of the enemy, if a battle took place on that site. You want to be a great general? You have to be thinking strategically, and you have to be thinking strategically not once in a while, but you have to be thinking strategically uh, all the time. I determined, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The Jews... They don't want to hear about Jesus. They like a sign. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The Greeks, they are not naturally inclined to hear about Jesus. They like wisdom. So what do we do? Well, we give the Jews what they want. And we give the Greeks what they want. A little bit of sign over here, a little bit of wisdom over here. We give them, there's this 
a phrase in Arabic that uh, that it just, just flows so easily to Arabic. Of course, you could translate it into English. <laughs> what the hearers demand. We give them what they demand. No, we don't give them what they demand. I don't care if they want to hear about the sign, and I don't care if the other people want to hear about wisdom. I preach Christ crucified. And if it's a stumbling block to the Jews, and if it's foolishness to the Greeks, then I'm still going to preach Christ crucified. I'm still going to preach Christ uh, uh, crucified. God forbid, Galatians chapter 6, that I should glory except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where everything is focused for me. The cross of Christ. By which the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And I uh, unto, uh, unto the world. That's a lot of thinking about the cross. Because I think naturally we would think of the cross. We think of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and what he did. Which is of course of paramount importance. But part of the cross. And Paul's thinking of the cross. Is that the world was there crucified to me. And I was crucified to the world. I don't count myself to have apprehended this one thing I do. I forget the things which are behind. I press forward to the things which are before. I reach forth to the things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Certain missionary who went to India, perhaps a bit more than a hundred years ago, I don't know that much about him, but here and there you read about him, a man by the name of, might have been Henry Hyde, I'm not sure of his first name, Hyde, uh, known as Praying Hyde, and known for praying prayers along the lines of, Lord, give me souls or I die. Give me souls or I uh, die. I will gladly spend and be spent for you. 2 Corinthians 12.15 uh, Philippians 2.17 If I am offered as a sacrifice, if I am offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice, I joy with you all. Romans 9 I wish I could be accursed from Christ for the sake of my kinsmen, according to uh, the uh, flesh. Uh, according to uh, the flesh. Um, the love of Christ constrains us, focuses us. There's so much that's found in this world. There's so much that wants to grab our, attack, uh, our, our attention. There's so much that wants to uh, grab our time, our focus, our uh, interest. It constrains us. Is it someone forcing us? Well, the Lord is directing us, and he has the right to do so by all means. But the Bible also says that your people will be willing in the day of your power. Uh, they will serve willingly. They will offer themselves uh, uh, willingly. Uh, willingly. Uh, when you've set your mind to do something, uh, sometimes it's not needed so much outward compulsion, prodding, persuasion, if your heart is there. 
uh, if uh, your heart is there. We are con constrained. Carried along with effort on our part, focused, we are constrained by the love of Christ, the Lord Jesus, leaving glories, majesties in heaven uh, above, coming to a sinful and wicked world, leaving riches for a life of poverty. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he were rich, yet he became poor for our sakes, that we, through his poverty, might become uh, rich. Ridicule and scorn he faced. Persecution, misunderstanding and weakness, attempts at his life, betrayal, being called the prince of uh, demons. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. Son of man has not where to lay his head. Going to the cross, not just like a criminal, but to be more exact, to be more precise, like the worst of criminals. Like the worst of criminals. To die in pain, to die in shame. To die bearing the judgment that my sins deserved. For those who were his enemies, who had rebelled against him, hateful and hating one another, ruined and disfigured by sin, blind, lame, leprous. The Bible uses these things as pictures of sin. This is the love of Christ. And it is this love which should constrain us. Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, Behold how he loved him. Behold how he loved him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God that we should be called the sons of God. It's been said, when we get to heaven, a man said a long time ago, there will be surprises. Some people we didn't think were believers. It turned out that we were wrong, and they were actually saved. And they'll be there. Some people we thought were believers. Turned out that it was just a profession, just something outward, not real, not in the heart. They won't be there. And then the man said, the biggest surprise is that I'm going to be there. Is that I'm going to be there. The Lord has appeared unto me of old, saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The love of Christ uh, constrains, uh, constrains us. You know the uh, saying that is sometimes quoted, the man sending a, a, a message, a note to his, uh, to his girlfriend. Uh, 
having it delivered to her sometime in the morning. I love you with all my heart. I would cross oceans and rivers for you. And if it's not raining, I'll see you at six o'clock. <laughs> uh, I'd cross oceans and rivers for you, and if it's not raining, I'll see you at six o'clock. The Lord Jesus wasn't stopped by not just minor things. He wasn't stopped by major things. He had a love that was filled with determination. He loved them to the very end. Uh, loved them to uh, the very end. And this love calls for calls for a love in return. We love him because he first loved us. Uh, we loved him because he first uh, uh, loved us. Uh, it is not an emotional uh, uh, response. It's not a matter of playing with people's uh, feelings, as it were. Notice what he says in the verse, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. We thus judge. This is not some, you know, flare-up of emotion. This is not uh, someone behaving impulsively. Uh, this is not someone reacting in some, uh, 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 in some strange way, like sometimes, uh, you know, fire up in Nabasafa, that's all my experience of fire, really. How a fire sometimes, whoosh, you know, like sometimes it kind of flares up. But then, like, just like it flares up, what happens sometimes is it, is it collapses and dies down. We thus judge. What we are talking about here is what is our reasonable service. Uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1. This is not some kind of thing that is uh, uh, based entirely on emotions. Now, I'm not saying that emotions are wrong. I said it's not based entirely on emotions. We thus uh, judge. What we are speaking of, that's the way it should be. That's what's right, sound, logical, natural. For it not to be so, that would be wrong, that would be uh, uh, improper, uh, uh, that would be uh, improper. The love of Christ constrains us. If we're crazy, we're crazy for God. If we're sober, we're sober for you. The love of Christ constrains us, because there is one who died for all. And when he died for all, those who live should not henceforth live unto themselves, unto uh, uh, unto uh, themselves. Does the love of of, of Christ uh, uh, constrain you? Uh, constrain you? There's a touching little episode, mention it from time to time, that is part of the story of Les Miserables. Uh, Les Miserables, poor man, Jean Valjean having been released from prison, not having much in the way of resources. A priest at one point takes him in, offers him lodging just for the night, and what happens is, 
he hits the priest on the head and steals some of the silver <laughs> ware. And then soldiers catch him. And uh, they bring him back to the priest and they uh, tell him, we caught this man. He stole this silver from you. And the priest says something like, no, 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 he didn't steal it from me. Although that, in fact, was exactly what happened. He said, no, 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 he didn't steal it from me. Mr. Valjean, uh, I gave you that silver, but I also wanted you to take these silver candlesticks, and I mentioned that to you. But you forgot them. So, the soldiers, understanding that what happened was not a case of robbery, the soldiers just go away. And he tells them, tells them, take, take the silver, the, the ones that you stole, and take these other ones that I give you. But remember that with this silver, I have bought you back unto God. I have bought you back unto, uh, uh, unto God. Uh, the Lord Jesus did not redeem us with silver, with gold, with corruptible things. The Lord Jesus gave his utmost, far more valuable, the blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The love of Christ should constrain us. Does it constrain us? Do we do things day by day because of the love of Christ? Do we go places, say things, do things? Things that relate to us, things that relate to others. Do we do things because of the love of Christ? This is what it should be. The, uh, the people might say, you're crazy or not, you're sober or not. Whatever people say, we thus judge. This is the way it should be. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your servant Paul and for that great love with which you loved him and indeed for that same love which you show towards all your children. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to remember all that you have done for us. We pray that you'd help us to remember that this love calls for love in return. We pray that you would help us to realize that they which live should not live unto themselves, to the one who died for them, rather, and rose again, so that we have a cause to serve. We are a new creation. We are ambassadors for Christ. We beseech others in Christ's stead to be reconciled unto God. We pray that you would help us to be constrained by your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.